0: The subject for the evening talk is Form is Emptiness There is a well-known piece in the Buddhist tradition where it is said in the Heart Sutra, I believe that form is emptiness and emptiness is form, and form is form, and emptiness is emptiness. And the talk is by way of exploring the first of these statements. Form is emptiness. And I'd like to begin with um, (coughs) just giving if I may, two or three personal examples of living in form, not unusual in any way, and then from there explore and go into the form which is taking place here, and ways of seeing into the nature of things. I mentioned to you the other evening that I uh, had been ordained and uh, was uh, a monk and that was from um, 1970 to 76. For three of those years I stayed in a Vipassana center, monastery, in southern uh, Thailand, some, I think it was some 15 hours on the train from Bangkok. And the, there's a form, of course, of the monk's life and the, 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 the structure and the, the guidelines and the precepts which accompanies it. But there is also the, the form of the day. And the way that the form of the day was constructed for us there was we begin the day at four o'clock in the morning and with uh, the bell ringing, which in fact was um, an empty bomb from uh, uh, a B-52, uh, which had been donated to the uh, temple. <laughs> <laughs> and the teacher, Ajahn Dhammadaro, who incidentally about five years ago during the retreat came here to uh, um, visit and to see what on earth I was up to <laughs> and we would begin the day with a walking meditation and sitting and the walking meditation effect was done in a very large circle. There were at the peak of the season um, about a hundred monks and another part of the temple more than two hundred nuns and We'd walk in a very large circle, just slowly and mindfully, and then there would be a sitting period, and the teacher rather insisted that we sat and did all our practice outside, you know, rather than in our little huts, rather so that we were visible. And I can well remember not getting up one morning at um, four o'clock. And outside the room, like here, these were wooden, of course, in Thailand, there's a little veranda, and Kind of bleary eyed at four thirty or five o'clock, I walked out of the room and lo and behold the the teacher is sitting cross legged meditating on the veranda <laughs> <laughs> not saying anything, but I got the message and Then from there we would go on what what is the the begging round and we would walk across the rice paddies to the farmhouses and to the villages for about an hour collecting the food and coming back. And in the morning period there'd be um, a sitting uh, period, again uh, outside, then there'd be lunch and then in the afternoon period there'd be uh, a one and a half hour walking period in this large um, circle. Uh, an hour's sitting and an hour standing meditation, as some of you do here, as a change from sitting. And this was required as as the minimal well, minimal meditations. And then in the evening there would be um, a sitting, and then sometimes the uh, uh, the teacher, most evenings in fact, would give a evening talk. And sometimes in the years that I was there there would be translation, and sometimes I uh, wouldn't get the translation. <laughs> and at least at least here, one of the you know, good fortunes that one has is that the talk may be terribly boring and tedious, but at least it's reason, you're reasonably assured that it will last, say, 45 minutes, and at the worst, an hour. And But in the East, they... They're quite timeless. <laughs> and I have sat, this is honestly, from 8 o'clock in the evening, listening to a talk of which I b- hardly understood a word except Vipassana, Dharma, Samadhi. <laughs> and it would go on and on. And we didn't have the, the good fortune to have <coughs> chairs and nice thick Zafus and things like that. We just sat on the on these mats, that was was it. And if you were in the the privileged minority, which means you were a maha, you'd done several years, then um, you got um, a little square piece of carpet and then you sat in the front row and that was, you know, that was much more, obviously more comfortable. So, and what was difficult, that in the Eastern tradition with the form, you're not allowed to point your feet straight forward. If the soles of the feet are facing towards the teacher, this is regarded in the East as being very disrespectful. So it rather limited your options with what you were going to do with your legs. And so sometimes he would begin talking at eight, and it wasn't unusual to finish at midnight or after. One tended to see rather a few mind states during this period. (laughs) (laughs) So this was the the, the day which we uh, um, um, experienced and over this um, period of time. And then to take, if I may again personally in terms of the form and the structure, that I live in um, a small town in the west of England called uh, Totnes, which in a way is um, the town, I sometimes think of it as a kind of um, home for old India freaks. It, there's quite a growing population of um, refugees, Western refugees from India who turn up in Totnes and live, live there. And uh, the, the number grows year by year, I notice. <coughs> and so the form of the day there um, is that I, I don't get up at 4 o'clock, I can definitely say that. And, um, and during the last few months, I've um, been working in the mornings on, um, with um, Henrietta here, on a um, manuscript. I've been meeting, I've met in the last two or three years, a number of people, and I've made a taped interview with them. One of them, Mary Lightfoot, who was here and had to go to Varanasi, who has been working as an independent social worker in the villages and is very much in contact with the grassroots situation here. And other people like Ramdas and and um, UNU, the former Prime Minister of Burma, and uh, two or a couple of years ago, Krishnamurti and others. So in the morning time, the form, has been, that has been taken up, uh, except with a small break to take my young daughter to Nashona to uh, school in the morning. Who, I must say, has children have their own wisdom, you know. She said a lovely thing to me recently. She said, um, Daddy, she said... Um, the future never comes. Now, isn't that a lovely insight? <laughs> so, then we were coming back in the car just recently, and she goes to a rather progressive school called Dartington, and uh, she started saying, um, which I never heard her say before, um, Our Father, who art is in, who art is, who, I forget the lines, who is in heaven. So I'm driving along, and I turn to her, and I say, but your father's in Totnes. <laughs> so there's a kind of general form through them. Um, <laughs> she, she laughed all the way home. It really tickled her. So, and then in the afternoon, I tend to meet with people and um, uh, for various reasons. And there's another kind of form. There's another kind of form. and Because all of us, in various ways, are involved in various forms. And, and I think they're very very valuable and useful to reflect upon. And so one of the areas which I am uh, active in is in um, politics. And with um, green politics in terms of the Green Party which in uh, Germany as you know is called Die Grünen. (coughs) And this year in the general elections I stood as the um, parliamentary uh, candidate for the area of Devon where, where I live. And as you see I'm wasn't elected (laughs) (laughs) and there's a lot of exploration taking place within the Green um, Party um, in the International Green Party in the Green Movement about form again the form of elections the form of parliamentary democracy the 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 form of um, voting the structure of the system etc so there's a lot of questioning going on within the forms and and very easily, with within whatever kind of form that uh, you and I are involved in, the very form of it, very easily, as it were, has a kind of habitual process or pattern to it, if you see what I mean. one got familiar with a form, a religious form, a, a form of... Uh, Um, timetable, a form of structure, many kinds of forms that you and I uh, know, forms of language, which is even more subtle. And we get familiar with these forms, (coughs) and one of the things which we notice in our familiarity with form, that very easily um, the form itself um, becomes something as a foundation for some kind of security or dependency. I think we have to check with, with ourselves any kind of any kind of form, the form of relationship, the form of living, the form of beliefs, the form of um, action, the form of practice, or whatever. So we, we see within ourselves that we are in life. We involved in forms. We experience forms. Forms are visible to us, and we move in various forms. And then we ask ourselves, what's the relationship which I have to the kind of form of my life? Now in that, looking, looking at the form of our life and I would say, um, particularly here, here meaning Bodhgaya, here meaning India, here meaning that the great um, large percentage of us in the room here are um, not from India, a few uh, of you are, Uh, but in either case there's a certain, I would call it an independent spirit, which is willing to step out of the form, out of the old forms, at least temporarily. And I think it's a tremendous um, thing, and I was just reflecting this earlier today that that sometimes the freedom which we have in this case of stepping out of the particular form the form of job the form of uh, uh, training that you may have in a particular <coughs> career or lifestyle and actually to be here to quite some degree is to move out of form and to experience at least for a period of time in one's life a period of time what one might call relatively formless, in which there's a great deal of independence and a great deal of freedom accompanying that in- independence, and one can move rather formlessly through places and through situations. And, and I think this is you know, socially and personally very, very important. It, it indicates, at least in this period of time in one's life or your life, it, it indicates that one isn't too much attached to form, to some forms. Because when people are and use it for security purposes, which is what form does, it can have such a grasping effect that one is, lives in, in a very formed-like condition throughout one's life. And some of us see this in some patterns within our society where the, the expectation is you go to school, you pass as many examinations as possible, then from there you start on your, your career, working up the ladder, you, um, you get married, you have children, you take out life insurance policies, you, you buy a house, you plan for your retirement, and you die. And this form is a very predominant form. The form itself is not harmful, and it's not destructive, and it's not bad, and it's not wrong, and one shouldn't be participating in that form. But rather, what can happen is that we become so identified with it we use the form, the social form, the expectations upon us for security purposes. And in that respect, form isn't emptiness. Form is something which is so important one can't see outside of it. One can't imagine that one might, might be able to live one's life and view, view life in another way altogether. And what happens is, of course, is that where there is this (coughs) using form for security purposes and investment purposes, if a person, if a woman or man says, well, I don't really wish to be in this form, or I don't wish to be in this form at this period of my life, one can very easily, as many of you and us experience, experience quite strong feelings from people within the structure and form and within the... Apparent security of it, of feeling that one is um, useless, or uh, a dropout, or avoiding responsibility, or whatever. All sorts of labels and accusations can be directed to us because we're not regarding form and structure as the be-all and end-all of living. And that's why with these retreats and and, uh, um, and India and I think there's something here I just want to say a little bit about uh, about India it's, it's one of the eternal paradoxes of um, places like India that it's correspondingly so utterly troublesome to be here with the hassles of people, you know, trying to get to, into a shop in the marketplace is a considerable achievement in India. The, the concerns with um, health, with passport, with the rapidly disappearing travellers checks, um, with the dust and the commotion, you know, and all those, all those things. And yet, in spite of all this, you know, hassle, which is sometimes in stark contrast to the orderliness and the cleanliness and the preciseness of our Western system. I mean, it's such contrast to it. Yet, yet with it, there is something for some people which is touching, which is significant, which is some kind of sense in the vastness of all of this and all the commotion and all the difficulty that goes with it, that somehow a sense of oneself and being free amidst all of it is, is really felt quite tangibly. On the face value, I would say, of being here, just on what you see and what you hear and definitely what you smell, <laughs> you know, one would run not a mile, but about 5,000 miles. So the evidence which comes in is saying, oh no. <laughs> and the manifestation of what we experience in this form of society, of what we experience here, something else seems and appears to generate through, <coughs> which is in spite of it. And sometimes we can't say, what, what, what is it? And some of you have been to India and gone away and you're back again and you've gone away <laughs> and you're back again and India hasn't changed. <laughs> <laughs> so it seems that we can't put a finger on it but the forms itself the appearances themselves don't seem to matter as much as we imagine and then we may possibly begin to get as it were an intimation a little bit that form is emptiness In the retreat situation, in being here and spending these uh, days, days together, the retreat situation is evidently a form. It's a temporary form which one person we may describe as initiating and uh, taking uh, Responsibility for a number of people, yet within it there is an agreement. And the agree- with the agreement, we establish between ourselves, in a way, though one may initiate <coughs> myself, a particular form and a lot of agreements to keep the form. And it shows itself, both um, uh, obviously in that way, um, in the timetable. That is a form. And then we have the form of the meditation. There's a wide variety of them. And one says, here we are engaging in um, using and employing methods and techniques. And we say, these methods and techniques and the posture and the general structure um, has, this form has proved itself through human experience and through human experience through many generations. And we can know this by the countless numbers of texts which are available, that the questions asked 500 years, 1,000 years ago are much the same as what's being asked today, that in spite of the changing outer forms of society, especially industrialised society, Actually, the inner life, the human life, really, that form, the form of our minds, the state of our minds, and certainly, obviously, of the body, the form of the body, really hasn't changed that much. So we may think, gosh, things are so different from 500 years ago or 2,500 years ago. But the way some of us think is, the event which happened here with the Buddha and so forth, in a way, it's as though it just happened yesterday. Because human beings, I, I sense and feel, are not so dramatically different from previous generations. So the form is being used with certain adaptions in... Time and place and social reality and then comes within that the relationship to the form and in that relationship which one has to the form we might describe it that two kind of events or two kind of relationships occur within it and in a way it's to watch be watchful of both of them One form is through, and of course it's uh, appreciated, I don't want to uh, reject this. I've got a vested interest in not rejecting it. One way is through affirming it. So one, one, Christopher, is pleased people settle into the form of the day, the sitting, especially as the days go by, there's a lovely atmosphere, the sitting this evening before the... uh, evening talk was very I, me i felt it very soft and mellow and virtually soundless in that meeting of there and so sometimes we affirm the general form you see this is you know useful it's valuable i experience some uh, benefits from it etc etc and this and, and there is an affirmation to the form at other times same person or another experiences quite the opposite to the form and the form there's a reaction and in a way the dynamic of it is to see that there will be reaction that's why we contribute to starting early, having long, longer sittings, engaging in um, the total process, extending the period um, later at night, etc. Part of the process is to see ourselves in the form, and to see when we experience reaction, usually aversion, that how that aversion solidifies the form. It makes form more than what it is. And so through affirmation or through rejection, form gains a substantiality which it doesn't have of itself. It's not one thing nor another. It's emptiness. But the movement makes it something. And it is an extraordinary process and phenomena in life that we find ourselves doing this, in this, again and again. And one may say, well, look, um, if we don't, if we neither affirm nor reject it's like what, what what what's left? It's like um, is it some kind of passive indifference to form? Is it some kind of attitude of mind which says, well I don't care if it's present or if it doesn't or if it's <coughs> pardon me, or if it isn't present. But but might say that <laughs> with the affirmation of form, and that includes method and technique, and uh, way of working, that when we do that, that affirmation very easily, but not necessarily, depends if the affirmation has understanding with it, very easily becomes partisan. That it, it becomes a bias, it becomes a prejudice. So when form ceases to be emptiness and becomes something through affirmation, through appreciation with investment, the mind cannot but help but compare with other forms and distinguishes and lives in bias. This form, through affirmation, is better than the form that they are using or those, or that system is or that method is or that teaching or that tradition or that, 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 that. And so the underlying understanding of form is emptiness is easily forgotten and similarly with aversion and the movement of aversion which feeling wise is in contrast unpleasant whereas affirmation is pleasant and yet with that movement of the um, rejection, sometimes the rejection of it is such that as it were, it like it spreads itself out. And the kind, and with there is the aversion and the rejection that takes place, when it spreads itself out, it one of the things that the thought does in the intensity of rejection is to draw generalizations. Always, every time, everybody, what, whatever. So, when we're catching ourselves, either with affirmation or with um, aversion, attachment or aversion, let us say, when, when we catch ourselves, we certainly is to, to catch the generaling, the generalizing that can take place. The generalizing this is good for everybody. The generalizing this is no good for everybody. The generalizing that this is fantastic. The generalizing this is dangerous or whatever. So So our movement through experience with the form may be blocking the understanding that form is emptiness. So I said, so I said well, well, look, here I experience these movements and this taking place, and do I, am I left with just a p- kind of passive indifference? What, 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 do I, what do I do with this situation? And it seems to me that what very easily occurs in this is if there's a loss that form is emptiness, the way that we relate to form is in a utilitarian way. We relate to it in terms of, what is it going to give me? And when we, re- when we relate to it in that way, pardon me, it means that the method and the technique and the form becomes important provided. I'm getting something out of it, which I want. And one says, and very understandably, and just Norman just uh, received a, a, a letter just uh, recently about this. Very, un- very understandably, the person asked, "Well, surely, if I use technique, if I use method, if I use the form, if I actually employ myself into a form, I can't do it without expecting something <coughs> from it. It would be ridiculous." not to engage, sorry, it would be ridiculous to engage in something if at some level of my personhood I don't have an expectation of something from it. Why engage in anything if you're not going to get something from it? And so, what we bring to the situation, whether we have expectations or, or not, is understandably, a doing mode. Doing in order to receive. Doing in order to benefit in some way or other. It's a natural, human, everyday participation. Sometimes, in the doing mode, we apply effort. Sometimes that effort brings seems to make things better or clearer and sometimes it just ends up as frustration and what we're saying here see how we're relating to the form see how we are using it and it is there to be used it, it is as it were a wide variety of devices there is a quite an extraordinary range of methods and techniques. And to see how we are using it. See what we are doing with it. Not to say, well, form is emptiness, therefore what's the use of doing anything? If I do anything with it, I'm either affirming it or I'm uh, aversion to it. Participate in the form fully. Experience the form. Employ the form. Use the form. See what the experience is with the form. That doesn't make the form something special, it doesn't deny its essential emptiness. And attraction or attachment to form or aversion to form doesn't change its essential emptiness. And we might see, therefore, that the, 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 sense, the sense for that and the, the intimate, it's a little bit hard with the language now, the sense for that or the, the, in, the intimation of that is as the heart of the teachings are, it is that for human beings to be truly, truly, unconditionally free. The teachings have no other usage No other purpose, no other function, no other message other than to enable human beings to be unconditionally free. And that unconditionally free means that includes the full participation in life, not a withdrawal from it, and a full participation in it in which at times we may be engaged in effort, and doing and method and technique and all that shows itself through through that. And to sense form is emptiness and to be free, unconditionally free, to participate in it. In the form, in the structure, in the experience of. And similarly in that, to be Unconditionally free is to be formless. Not to have need for it. Not to cling to it. Not to make much of it. And to experience formless. And one of the things that one discovers, and we can discover here, at times, in life, and that means here, here where life is, where else at times, what we perceive at times, is predominantly the form timetable, structure, method, technique posture, and so forth sometimes that's our primary perception and perceive, ah, oh, that's a perception. And to see if one is making something of it. And at other times, <coughs> we, right here, we perceive the formlessness. We can't see where the, especially when there's s- silence. When there's a, just, being, when we're not preoccupied with the time and the timetable and what's next, whatever when we're sometimes just outside in the evening and we're just just taking a walk as a human being it's a privilege to do, unconditionally free, just to take a walk there doesn't seem to be any form here, yeah, it's, ta- it's just taking a walk, just, just sitting and being here. So at times the form is very clear and apparent and sometimes it isn't. In either way in our life, form is emptiness. So, in other words, <coughs> finally, it's not <coughs> what we are doing is in order to get to be free. What we do may bring insight. It may bring uh, understanding. It may bring calmness and depth, calmness and med- various meditative states and changes of consciousness, and, <coughs> and or bring up old things which need to be looked at and worked with, and so forth but immediately the unconditional freedom, not somewhere further away, not somewhere, so to speak, uh, along the line. Form is emptiness. May all beings see into life. May all beings see into the nature of things. May all beings be liberated. Let's have a couple of minute quiet period together, shall we?